I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today in history, in 1962, Algeria says no thank you and bans the Communist Party. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. I am your eldritch host, Zachary, and much like Tog Shathoth, I am an all-in-one, or Azathoth, the mighty ruler of all below me, and I tire of this dribble much like Shubnigath, the dear black goat of the woods, I too shall retire to my forest domain. This has absolutely nothing to do with my story. I just wanted to prove to Matt that I knew more about uh, Eldritch Beast than just Cthulhu when it came to the old ones. So, uh, mic drop. That was a pretty good one. Um, my name is Megan, and I will be your tour guide to the stars this evening. Please keep your hands and feet inside whatever vehicle you're imagining, and we might be safe. Maybe. And I'm Matt. Today I learned that a buttload of wine is 108 gallons, and I feel uh, like my introduction was less grand than yours. Uh, No, excuse me. You just said that there's an actual measurement called a buttload, and I could not be more thrilled. Yep, it's 108 gallons. B-U-T-T-L-O-A-D. Wow. So a literal Mm. buttload. A literal literal buttload of wine is 108 gallons. I don't know how to feel about that. You should but feel that's pretty cool. good. I feel horny well, about like, it. Well, like whose butt? No, it's just a butt. Apparently, was a, a, a hundred and eight gallon dump truck. A butt was yeah, a like was who's... a measurement of. It's it's, they a, had to it's know. a medieval it's a medieval measurement they... for yeah. Wine. We're like we have a foot, we have a stone, and oh my good now lord, we've got that a butt. dump truck ass! We shall measure wine with it. <laughs> My They're lord, like, she's no, the we thickest can't call in it the land. Truck. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, uh, the truck. you could bounce a quarter off it. We'll say that. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. That's how much wine I always want to party with. So I'm going to start us off tonight. Are, oh, you're um, just going to... Oh, cool. we're just going to roll into it? Oh, yeah. I, I'm just going to fucking... More, you're just, one more wine You're joke. literally going to take the one extra thing that I do? Oh, okay. Can, can, I, well, can I get one more wine joke in there? Oh, yeah, please, say please a wine continue. joke. continue. Damn, girl, you shit with that cask. Stop. (laughs) Strike one. Ladies and gentlemen, let me set the stage. The strikes at zero, or they were until a moment ago. The game, Rock, Paper, Scissors, played. The order, Megan, then Zach, then me. I do a few things on this podcast, but I take them very seriously. And you do a great job. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. All right, Megan, now you can start. Do you guys want to hear what I named my... <laughs> I yes. always want to know what your notes are called. I named it uh, The French Aren't Allowed to Touch the Telescopes Anymore. Oh! oh. 
Ah. I'm sure you can figure out what my story is about just by that very clear title. I would it's imagine about that it has something French. to do with the French. <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Cheese eating right. bastards. So I'll I'll jump into it and tell you why the French aren't allowed to touch the telescopes anymore or the spectroscopes or anything with space. Anything they're scope not allowed to related. touch space. Any scope, they're not allowed near the it anymore French are for not various reasons. In space. They're not allowed in space and most parts of people's bodies. Anyway, Haley's Comet. I'm sure you've heard of Yep, yep. <laughs> we're familiar. <laughs> Megan has had her first experience of something that I've done several times in this podcast where you say a thing expecting your co-hosts to be like, oh yeah, I know that. And then it's just yeah. a resounding silence on the other end that makes you think no. that no one's there. <laughs> no, no. You guys have definitely heard of Haley's Comet. Literally everyone has heard of Haley's Comet. So it's it's a once-in-a-lifetime sight to see, like, quite literally. It comes around once every 76 years, oh, so you either see it or you don't. <laughs> Have we seen it in our lifetime? No, we haven't. The last one that came around was in 1986. Oh, dang. So we, like, literally so just missed it. By the end of my life, I might get to see it. Yeah, I think the next one comes around in 2061. Woo! Yep, I'm a hitch ride on that one. Living for 2061. Predicted to show up July 28th, 2061. Damn. Oh, I was right. All right. Um, But yeah, pretty much rip to most of us, I guess, because we did just miss it. Damn. Um, Now, the sighting of the comet has always led more superstitious people to believe that it is a hairbringer of doom yeah right like it is a giant thing that appears in the sky pretty irregularly but regularly enough where people are like what does it mean i mean in whenever the next Halley's comet is supposed to show up i'm gonna be 66 which is pretty damn close to the devil's number so let's bring some doom oh. baby hell yeah 66 in the new 60s yep. is what i'm talking about yup yep. Uh, so, I specifically want to talk about Halley's Comet um, when it rolled around in 1910. Okay. So, rolling back the clock. Um, as in we so often do on this podcast yeah, about history. As, <laughs> as we so often do in a podcast about history. I like when... What if one day I bring you a story and I'm just like, okay, fast forward to 2061. <laughs> oh, no. We're precogs. Uh, damn. Damn. That would be a good uh, so story. So in 1910, though. it would be a really good story, and it would throw you guys for quite the loop. Yeah. Um, so in 1910, when the comet was due to be seen, some said that uh, its approach killed the, England's King Henry VII. Yeah, well, he needed to uh, die anyways. Seems legit. Yeah, whoops. Um, they thought that it was a portent for the Germans coming. Because it was 1910, World War One was starting. The war to end all wars. A war to end all wars, a comet to end all comets. Uh, and they also thought it, it caused the sign to flood. So they just were br- really blaming everything on it. I mean, it seems legit. Um, yeah, it seems legit. <laughs> when in it's doubt, big blame Haley's Comet. Yeah, it's like, I can't make it to work today. Why? The Comet. Haley's Comet. 
Uh, so the hype around Haley's Comet was so high, particularly in 1910, because a Frenchman named, and I'm going to butcher this name because I'm sure it has some sort of accent on it's it, but I will, French. yeah, I will pronounce it the way that my American ancestors decided <laughs> it should be said. Um, Camille Flammarion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, realistically, uh, the French ignore consonants and vowels alike so you're probably 50 50 wrong yeah yeah maybe 50 50 i don't know i'm gonna give it to you um but i'll give it to you too i'll give it yeah i don't know camille flammarion well i I think you just added a french flair to it yeah i just added a french accent which doesn't make it french (laughs) that's fine um so flammarion said that as earth passed through the comet's tail uh, cyanogen gas would impregnate the atmosphere and possibly snuff out all life on the planet. Uh, That's the opposite of what impregnation's supposed to do. Would have been a great well, time if it had, yeah. huh? Maybe we can hope for that <laughs> in know, 2061. <laughs> fingers, fingers crossed if we don't do it to ourselves. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I promised this would be lighthearted. <laughs> um... <laughs> So this was in addition to the comet causing the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans to swap basins, causing chaos over the whole planet. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I didn't, you didn't know that comets could do that, but they can. That's a fun science fact. Except they, except Uh, they can't. No, you don't know. You're not a French scientist. You're right. Yeah, that's what I thought. A French scientist whose last name could be a fucking evolution. Oh my god. That's oh my god, you're right. <laughs> Everything about this story has changed. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna call him Flareon now. <laughs> that's, that's arguably an improvement. Arguably an He's improvement. He's now Cam Flareon. No oh, no. We go now Gotta to Dr. Cam Flareon. Cam Flareon. He's like, I only care about the evolutions and They're like, you're a little biased for a Pokemon professor. (laughs) Anyway, so the reason that cyanogen gas, um, the makeup of it in the comet was focused on was because astronomers had detected it in the comet's tail using uh, spectroscopy, which reveals the object's composition based on the light coming off of it, which is is pretty neat. Like, you can tell the makeup of something without actually having to be close to it or to touch it. Um, and to be fair to Flareon, uh, cyanogen is no joke. It is very poisonous. Um, it was said that a, if a grain of it touched your tongue, it was enough to cause instant death. I mean, it does sound kind of like cyanide, which does get me a wee bit concerned. Forbidden salt. Yeah, it's like kind of concerning. It's concerning. It's the, so, it's the forbidden well, salt of our time. It, it is mm. the forbidden salt of our time. Salt lamp. That that is that is what they called it. That is its scientific imagine, name. Imagine scientists talking like we do now. <laughs> I can't. Because people, people will see a picture of fucking lava and they'll be like, ooh, forbidden honey. And it's like, that's not ooh. what that is. They're just like, and ooh, they're like, me want ooh. nom nom the forbidden honey. Imagine a group of fucking, yeah, we... imagine Flareon sitting around with all his French scientists and he's like, one flake of this, 
we'll kill you. And the other guy's just like, ooh, ooh, forbidden salt. <laughs> I hate yeah, this. Yeah, because a, I hate a this Gen so much. Z scientist went back in time. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Honestly, I I respect the drip. I don't. <laughs> That's because you don't like the French. Uh, <laughs> or the Ulus. Both of them can fuck off. If there's one thing that could be said about this podcast, it's that none of us like the French. <laughs> okay, well, I was trying to be... I was trying to, like, maintain a little bit of mystery, but you just went ahead and said it. <laughs> they used too many letters. It, they used too many Ulus. We're not here to talk about all of the French. We're here to talk about Cam Flareon. Flareon. Cam Flareon. So carry on. Yeah, okay. So, it was enough to cause instant death. That's where we are. And while most scientists of the time didn't agree with Flareon because the amount of cyanogen in the comet wasn't enough to affect Earth, uh, it didn't stop the capitalists of the world from, you know, capitalizing on people's fears. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, what did they do? They hawked anti-comet pills. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Which is my favorite. They promised an escape from the wrath of the heavens. Uh Uh-huh. How did they promise that? Well, they gave people a lot of sugar, and it makes you feel like you can fight God if you have enough. (laughs) I was going to say, how are we (laughs) fighting God today? They should talk to Imo Koivunen. You just, just take a bunch of sugar. Just makes you take a bunch of cocaine. Feel nice. Yeah, do coke about it. <laughs> God, God's coming for you. You should do cocaine. God's about coming. It. Every seventy-six years, God comes. We gotta do some coke about oh, it. Oh, that's what, that's what the comet is. It's uh, that's what the comet it's is. Godism. Could you imagine though if it was just like, yeah, you know, every seventy-six year years, God sends a. Sends a comet our way, and if we don't do enough cocaine, <laughs> we just we just get smote. Every seventy six years, uh, God busts one righteous nut, and it arches Stop. across the sky. And if we don't do a lot of coke, <laughs> oh it's gonna be real bad. It's gonna be a real bad time if we don't hit that quota. <laughs> so everyone, here's an eight ball, and like do your part. Pack up. Do your part for the world. So they were sugar pills, like I said. Gas masks also flew off the shelves as well. Naturally. And people were just, in general, going into hysteria to the point where one um, prospector out in California nailed his feet and hand to a cross and begged his rescuers to leave him be because this is how he wanted to meet the comet, just like Jesus Oh my fucking! Just like our fuck. Lord wanted. Wow. Just like he wanted. Look, if there is a uh, God, I don't think he wants you to do that. <laughs> no, I don't think he wants us to do that either. But this man, he interpreted the comment. I saw the way he thought. I saw a post on the internet at one point that was just like, "If Jesus did come back, do you think he'd be okay with the amount of crucifixes?" Or would he be annoyed that so many people were glorifying arguably the worst day of his life? (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, how do you think he would feel about Easter? Uh, Well, considering that's mostly a a pagan holiday. Yeah. Well, that, you know, the 
the Christian Easter. Oh, the Christian Easter. Yeah, you know. You know, the one where we celebrate his return from... If Jesus came back, I think he'd be most pissed off that we fucked up his birthday. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's... Guys, I was like, born in the that's... summer, gosh. Oh, it's not even my birthday. <laughs> um, so, there was also a religious resurgence, speaking of Jesus and us fucking up his birthday. Uh, with churches packed full of worried worshippers while people at home were going so far as to plug up their keyholes to keep out the comet's vapors. Wow. Um, yeah, you gotta keep out the sky gas, you know. More rational people saw the comet for what it was. A comet? Fucking amazing. Like, it, it's great. It looks great. I've seen pictures of Haley's Comet. It looks wild. It's a dope fucking um, light show we get for free. Oh my god. I know, dude. It's lit, fam. It's lit, fam. So when Earth did pass through the comet's tail, Flareon stuck to his guns and said that uh, he had been contacted by observers that said that they did have olfactory responses to the gas, but, like, no one died from it. Like, they didn't die from the sky fart, you know? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I love that you were like, I've seen pictures of Haley's comet. It's really pretty. (laughs) And then you call it a sky sky fart. fart. It is a sky fart. Leave me alone. So after the comet had passed and no mass extinction had occurred, people, especially in France, lost their minds. They celebrate in the streets. And in Atlanta, Georgia, the city missed out on the comet due to cloud cover, but the local newspaper claimed that um, that had actually saved the city. But in reality, the comet was never going to do anything other than pass by like it had done for years before. Some Frenchmen decided to cause a mass panic. So, <laughs> like, it was, everything was going to be French fine people. the whole time. I know, that's why they're not allowed to touch the telescopes anymore, dude. <sighs> I remember my last panic. When was uh, that? At the disco? Yeah, it was oh, at the disco. Fuck you both. I'm giving you both <laughs> strikes for that. Oh, no! Oh, <laughs> shit. I just wanted to even the playing dude. field. <laughs> I'm surprised that Megan didn't do what she usually does when issued a strike and immediately deny its existence in her life. Because <laughs> every time we've tried to give Megan a strike since we implemented the strike rules, she's gone. No, I don't. Uh, I don't believe in this. <laughs> that's how you. Honestly, that's like the way to do it. That's how you duck you say, it. No, thank. Much like Algeria, you say no, thank you. When the IRS come for her taxes, Megan's going to be like, no, thanks. I mean, there, no, thanks. there was a guy who said he could prove that death could be avoided by raising a child who was not aware that death was an actual thing. So, I mean, I guess this works in the same way. Yeah, I mean, wow, if you amazing. never tell someone that they're going to die. Yeah. I, it's then they, it's going to be a real shocker when it then happens. Then they won't. They just won't. Yeah, that then they just they simply will not rip to everyone else, but they're dead. I refuse. It's Thank a fucking wily e. coyote esque like if he never looks down he gets across the canyon. If this person never knows that death exists. And if we never look in Schrodinger's box, we don't know if the cat's dead or not. Yeah. And on that note And on that note. I'm gonna talk about a lot of death. Or potential death. Um Hey guys, hey guys, audience, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step aside with you guys here for a minute. 
Um, okay, this he's is, stepping inside. He's doing it. This is, uh, this is the point in the podcast where I do remind you that history sucks. Zach has forewarned both Megan and myself that his story tonight sucks, that we're not going to be able to get many goofs out of it. But no, you know me, true. where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best until, you know, the concept of, you know, um, well, literally anything that's too depressing to joke about gets brought up. Um, so anyways, I just thought I'd let you guys know. Uh, but my story's fun, so stick around. All right, love you. Back, back to the, back to the, back to the thing now. <laughs> Thank Z- you, Matt. Zach, make us sad. I will. Uh, I'm also gonna look, give a little bit of a content warning, I guess. Um, I will preface this story by saying that I had a very long and drawn out conversation with comedy, and found that well, they are not exactly welcome in this story. Except I'm um, going to try. I'm still going to try, guys. I, I know you are. At least my bit of the story, or this episode at least, uh, comedy, I don't know if they'll rear their beautiful face, but we'll try. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, well, uh, our tagline is the wackiest and weirdest things. We also do acknowledge that history is, in fact, fucked up. And I will be discussing something particularly fucked up that I think needs to be talked about, but isn't exactly the most happy fun times. Zach, what made you decide, and I ask this as me. Yes. um, What made you decide to do such a hefty, but sad story? Um, It is really important to talk about, I think. And it'll come clearer as we discuss the topic at hand. I don't want to like. Okay, that's I don't want to, you know, give it all away at the beginning. No, please, please continue. I was just curious. No, as to, I, like... I, I found out this information recently and was kind of like, "Holy shit! Why is this not something we're talking about?" And therefore, okay. I was like, "Hmm, I have a platform. Let me do my thing." So, if it's like, would you prefer it if we uh, let you sort of get through your story and then discuss it after? Or... No, you can you can interject where you'd like. I do have a lot of notes and bullet points. I, I sat here and did meticulous research for a couple of hours and made sure I got my facts straight. So, if you interrupt me, I do have points where I can like jump back in. Absolutely. Okay, I think for me, um, I'll I'll try to be a little bit more silent because it sounds like you have a lot of information to get through i I do it's not overwhelming but it is it is a lot okay so please please continue and i am here listening yeah uh mostly thank you first off but the other thing is i thought that this story was very important because it has to do with the country that we live in the united states which we all know has its issues but this is this is a little different um, and also Matt and Megan, I apologize in advance if we end up on a watch list for this one. All of us? I love watch oh, lists. all of us. I love listicles. I've always wanted to be on one. So once again, this story is based in the United States and it has to do with the Central Intelligence Agency. You see, a little while ago, uh, a large amount of documents were declassified by the United States government. In April of 2001, this particular document along with a few other things was published online in its complete form by the national security archive tonight we are going to be talking about or at least i will be talking about operation northwoods 
This was a plan that was proposed in 1962, and I would like to point out was subsequently drafted by the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the time and signed by Chairman Lynn Lemonser and sent to the Secretary of Defense. So this was a proposal that not only was written up, but was written by the Joint Chiefs of Staff by the United States government, signed by a chairman of the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff, and sent to the Secretary of Defense, which it passed through the Secretary of Defense as well. So this got approval on a lot of different areas. Dude, I wish I wish that, like, healthcare was approved <laughs> as much as this plan was. I don't even know what the plan is yet, but... Yeah, I, I do too. Because this plan is—it's getting—it's getting greenlit faster than universal healthcare. Much faster, and it's yup. Okay. Anyway, before I lose my resolve, um, this plan was active, of course, during the Cold War, in which I'm going to explain it, but I don't need to explain it too much. United States and Russia embroiled in the largest dick measuring contest, the likes of which the world has never seen, and consequently, because of its proximity to the United States. Cuba was a large factor in the Cold War. I was fairly certain that the Cold War had something to do with who could knit the nicest sweaters, but Zach has told me since that that is not what the Cold War was. No, the Cold War was a ballistic arms race to see who could build the biggest fucking bombs. See, and, and that just takes the wind completely out of my sails, because, like, I... <laughs> I like how Z- <laughs> Zach also explains it, too. He's like, no, no, let me explain <laughs> let the let actual explain definition of the Cold in, War, which is funny. Yeah, in case anyone doesn't know what a Cold War is, it's no, we haven't like, killed I each other like... yet, but we have the ability to do so. I just really like, like, Matt doesn't actually know what the Cold War is. He's just sitting there like, you mean it wasn't a bow sweater? You mean we weren't knitting each other nice sweaters? I wish that was the case in this. I really do. I wish that was the case, bud. So, you see, because Cuba has a strategic uh, proximity near Florida, uh, it is very scary when in the mid to late 60s, Russia begins testing the largest nuclear weapons in recorded history. So, what does the United States do about that? Um, Operation Northwoods, among a couple of other things. And you can actually view this entire document, the whole thing in its entirety, online. But I have done the research for everyone, as is my job. Uh, And basically, the main reason stated for this operation was to create public support for a war against Cuba. A direct quote from the document reads, quote, The desired result from the execution of this plan would be to place the United States in the apparent position of suffering defensible grievances from a rash and irresponsible government of Cuba and to develop an international image of a Cuba threat to peace in the Western Hemisphere. So the entire, you know, point of this operation was to basically have Cuba look like the bad guy and have something happen that would cause everyone in the Western Hemisphere to say, all right, Cuba is actually a problem, and if the United States goes to war with Cuba, we're going to back them. We would have had backing from all of our allies, including England and uh, other places, that it would have been a full, all-out assault without compromise on cuba so 
the question now uh, is what exactly was Operation Northwoods? Well, Operation Northwoods was a false flag operation proposed by the United States government where actions would be taken out against American citizens that originated from the Department of Defense. CIA operatives were tasked and uh, given permission to stage false as well as fully commit acts of domestic terrorism centered in Miami and possibly Washington on American citizens. Then, falsify evidence that the acts were orchestrated by Cuban citizens, allowing them to blame the Cuban government for being negligent and giving them a cause to go with war, to war with Cuba. And these acts so, included and were not limited to hijackings and bombings of American citizens. So what you're telling me is that America is the ultimate gaslighter. To put it in a way that is a little bit more comedic, and using that term very loosely, yes. They're like, we didn't do that. Yeah. Why, why did you do that to us? So... Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's what it was. That the idea of Operation Northwoods was let's go to Miami and blow up a bunch of our own citizens with bombs and then say, "Hey Cuba, why did you do that?" Um there were other proposals in similar nature that were rolled into Operation Northwood uh and included actions against both citizens and military of the United States to misinform the public along with the killing of innocent American citizens, as also detailed plans to assassinate Cuban immigrants and sink refugee boats that came from Cuba. Hey, guys. The, yeah. I mean, I, I'm speaking mostly to the audience here, but, like, I feel it important to talk to you guys, too. Like, I don't think I can make the goofs. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I don't think not I on have, this one. I don't think I have the goofs to make for this one. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think so either, and that's why I prefaced it, but you can see why I said it is an important thing to talk about. Yeah. Hey, audience, uh, just buckle up. We're, we're gonna, we're, we're in this with you, Megan and yeah. I. Um, I'm and almost Zach, getting... who is also telling the story. Yeah, uh, I'm doing two and a half, three hours of research on this was super fun. Um, however, there is a good part of this. If any silver lining can be found, and that is the proposal was rejected by President John F. Kennedy. Oh, good. Right before his assassination in 1963. Uh, 
no false flag operations were carried out, and he also fired General Lemonser of the chair uh, as chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff. So the guy who basically brought the proposal to him, he was like, "Yeah, no, go fuck yourself." Um, he actually ended up telling the general, "quote that they were not to discuss the use of military force." There were other operations that were in place along inside Operation Northwoods and in like separate documents that were released in this declassification dump. But there, again, like some of these other operations were Operation Bingo, which was to target U.S. facilities in Cuba in the same kind of way, and then blame it on Fidel Castro, as well as uh, another operation called Operation Dirty Trick, where if the Mercury space flight had crashed and not gone as planned, they had falsified evidence blaming Castro for the failure of the Mercury space flight. Mm. In summation to this entire dump of a lot of information, the United States government, led by the Department of Defense and the CIA, had plans in the 60s to commit terrorist acts on a, nation, on a large scale on national soil in order to spread falsified information, gain popular opinion in both the country and with Western allies, and go to war with Cuba. This is not a big, fun joke time, but as I said, this information was declassified in 2001. It is 2021, and I got the chance to really dig into it now. Uh, Mm. We as a nation, tend to have a lot of things that are buried or not talked about. And while it is a lot to handle, and while it is a lot to process, and while it is hard, this information is important because had this plan gone through, history would be much different than it is today. And the fact that it was even theorized, talked about, written down on paper, passed through the chief, the, 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 uh, sorry, my brain just died a little bit, but the joint, joint chiefs of staff, it was passed by the secretary, or rather, like, seen by the secretary of defense, and still was only stopped because JFK was like, you guys are fucking insane, says a lot that is to be said about how we view world politics as a country and i think it is important that we discuss these things especially when this information has been declassified for 20 years and i was just hearing about it this year yeah but like i feel like that's the case for pretty much anything that paints us in a bad light yeah i mean yeah so it's but it's okay I'll use this example because Thanksgiving just went by and I was having a conversation with my mother preceding Thanksgiving about um, the Trail of Tears, mm-hmm. which... Oh, a lighthearted time. No, I mean, yeah. okay, if we're here, we're going to fucking do it right. We're digging in. My mom doesn't know what the Trail of Tears is. That's oh. awful. My mom doesn't, like, you know, I grew up with these people. I learned about this in school. But, like, it's shit that she was never taught because I think the educational backbone of America has always been we will always 
put ourselves on this pedestal like we're some ideal to strive for while sweeping all of our misdeeds under a rug. Like, we can go around in schools now and they're probably teaching kids that we asked permission for, you know, the Native Americans of this country to just, like, relocate. And that's what kids are learning as opposed to the Trail of Tears, which is going to lead to a whole generation of kids like us that are waking up to how fucking bad shit is. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the, the whole you know, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it type shit is like, you can't learn from history if no one's fucking teaching history. And that's kind of what we do. And even if we do it with a goof every now and then, sometimes we bear down and talk about the hard stuff. Like in, in, in another example to say, you both know, and I've been very clear about it on the podcast. I, I do love me some Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt is my favorite president by far and i find his life story and his tenure as commander-in-chief of this country to be very intriguing do i absolutely understand that the panama canal was caused by creating an insurrection within middle american countries yeah absolutely central american countries yeah Yeah. absolutely like i i know that i know that there is a dark side to a historical figure that i think is great i think that that diminishes his value in certain aspects but i also understand that that is part of the history you have to take the good with the bad and i say this because i do want to also say as much as this country has a lot to go and a lot to do and has had a very fucked up past and continues to make fuck-ups along the way it is still the place that I live. It is still... I'm not, you know, dumbass, so patriotic that I can't see the truth. But I still live here. And I still do my best to make where I live a better place. And I think talking about the issues that have happened and the history that is not so palatable is important to doing that. You can't make better soup if you don't consult the recipe that's my analogy for the day that's where i'm going with that one no that's that's a really good one um to like build off of that zach uh when i was living in china a lot of the time expats from america would shit on america a lot they'd be like oh other countries do it so much better America's awful, and I was sort of at the point in my life where I was like, well, you guys kind of wouldn't be here if you didn't grow up in, like, the privilege that you did. Like, to a certain extent, America did, like, help you get here, and kind of just saying blatantly everything is bad all the time is not helpful because you're not helping the soup. You know, you're not helping the soup. You're not helping the soup by just like shitting in it because, like, ultimately you help the soup by like knowing the background, knowing the lore, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, going into the future using the information that you have. Absolutely. And I think I I want to end my very harrowing tale uh, on a little bit more of a hopeful note by saying. 
don't shit in the soup, but don't also blindly say that the soup is good without tasting it. We have to understand fundamentally that we need to be better, and the only way to be better is to see where we have fallen. And there is room to grow, and there is room to be better, but we all have to take a step back and see where we are failing in order to do so. So as much as this story is a failure of United States government and politics, it is also something that we can take and be like, on a humanitarian, on a national, on a human level, we can do better. And we can do better because we now know the facts of where we failed. I think that was a good story, Zach. I mean, I know that you said it was heavy, and it is heavy, but I don't know. It's 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 good information to know. I know that we use this podcast a lot to be like, Julius Caesar getting kidnapped by pirates <laughs> like, yeah. a lot of the time. And that's, like, good information to know. But, like, it is also good information to know that the American government sucks. Yeah. yeah. A lot. Still does. Still does. Still does. Amen, brother. But the only way we can fix it is if we know our shit. So here's yeah, to knowing our shit. Know the facts. Or if we're making better soup. clean and start again. Which, I mean, you know, the fall of Rome. We're witnessing it. Um, <laughs> yes. We're going to go from Zach's, okay, now you're on Zach's super... The, what? Because I said that America is replicating the fall of Rome? No, because you said you're, we're going to wipe the slate clean. Now we're on a list. They're going to be like, hey, <laughs> this guy, he wants to take all of us I'll, out. I don't know why I'll we're all from Jersey. i let you guys know when the FBI shows up at my door saying. Yeah, and they're all from Jersey. Yeah, all of them from Jersey. They're all the situation. <laughs> we got a situation. It's the <laughs> fact that we're all getting bags thrown over our heads and tossed into the back of a van. <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time. American government. Okay, I'm going to, we're going to stop now. And I'm going to tell you guys about a gentleman by the name of Joshua Abraham Norton. Okay. It's too many first names. Does anybody know of Joshua? Um, I do not know of Joshua. Has anyone heard of Joshua before? Joshua, I've heard of a Joshua, not this Joshua. Well, yes, I am also familiar with a Joshua. I think everyone knows a Joshua, even if it's not this specific. At least one Joshua. So, uh, Joshua Norton was born on February 4th in 1818. I will say that in my research, all of my research said that February 4th is a best guess. People don't actually know. So, February 4th is kind of best guess by historians as when Joshua was born. Two years later, in the year of 1820, his whole family and himself move from London, where he was born, to South Africa. Okay. There's nothing really exciting that happens during his life while he's in South Africa, aside from his dad going bankrupt and his mama dying. So, like, some bad stuff, but he moves from... I see we're beginning the tragic backstory element. Tragic backstory, yeah, we're building... Her building. Um, but he moves from South Africa to Boston in 1846, and then he moves from Boston to San Francisco in 1849. In my research that I was doing on this guy, again, there's like a whole thing where, according to his documents, he had moved from um, South Africa 
directly to San Francisco, according to, like, himself and, I think, his biography. And so that's the story that most people go with, but because there wasn't anything of particular note that happened between him living in Boston and him moving to San Francisco, people kind of just skip that portion of his life. Because, again, nobody really knows what he did in Boston, and, you know, it's not really... It's not really worth talking about. There's not a whole lot. Whoever there. knows, whoever knows what people do in Boston. All you just need to know is that it's shady shit. Already. What happens in Anytime Boston? I go to Boston. Stays in Boston. Stays stays in Boston, and the only thing to do in Boston is grab yourself a fucking Sam Adams. Go see the Sox yeah, at true. Fenway Park. Yep. Even if they're not playing, and go do some shady shit. <laughs> Just go through some shady shit. It's so true. <laughs> Fuck. Welcome to Boston. By the time that he moves to, to, to San Francisco, he's relatively wealthy. And um, okay. according to sources, uh, again, in my research, it's somewhere close to $40,000, which in today dollars is $1,436,825.97. Where'd this boy get his money? That is the thing that a lot of people speculate about. So because his dad... shit in Boston. Yeah, shady shady shit in Boston. Boston got him money. Yeah, because his dad was bankrupt, they're not sure whether his money was part of an inheritance that had already been predetermined before his father's passing, or if the money that he got was the result of him selling his father's estate. Um, He did have two siblings who also passed so he was like the only child left of uh his mother and father at the point that he moves to san francisco so he just has he has the equivalent of today's million million four hundred and thirty six thousand dollars all right so he has Um, money and it's possibly shady but we can't quite confirm we don't know for certain that's the best kind of he's super shady the belief at least in part, is that he improved on some money that was acquired by selling his father's estate. Uh, But either way, the whole thing is that he's relatively well off, and he touts himself as a businessman to some degree. Uh, In 1852, he decides to make business deal, seeing a uh, change in the price of rice in San Francisco. Uh, a famine was happening in those times, and so China's export of rice was banned. And so the price of rice went from $0.04 cents per pound to $0.36 cents oh, per pound. Damn. Okay. So it was like a massive... Okay, but like, that's huge. Yeah, no, it was a massive, <laughs> massive jump. Um, and Joshua Norton hears of a shipment coming in from Peru. And so he's like, I'll get in on the ground floor of this famine and price boom, and I'll make it big. So he buys the entire shipment coming in from Peru for $25,000, which in 2020 money is $845,064.94. Okay. I um, thought you were going to say, like, something so ridiculous, like $845 million when he million. only had fucking $1 million. 
I was gonna I was gonna lose my mind. I was gonna be like in today's Yeah, that would be that would be crazy. Um I also know that it's twenty twenty one and not twenty twenty, but twenty twenty money just sounds so fun to say. Well also like twenty twenty wasn't real. No, it definitely didn't exist. We are, we are currently, currently in twenty twenty. Um yes. so Joshy Norton thought he was going to make bank. However, other larger shipments of rice come into the country before his does, and when he gets his shipment, the price of rice has gone from thirty-six cents back down to three cents per pound. Yeah, so that's a big loss. He loses all that money, and he ends up going bankrupt pursuing litigation over this shipment, which he ends up winning the case, but then losing in California's Supreme Court. So he loses entirely. Fuck. So we're we're gonna get to the point we're getting to the point of this story now. That was all the tragic backstory as Zach mentioned. Uh we're getting to the part of this story now that we're here to talk about because it's what the fuck history. On September seventeenth, uh year of our Lord eighteen fifty nine, Joshua Norton does something bonkers. Something so bonkers that instead of describing what he does, I'm gonna read it to you. And then I will tell you exactly what happens. So this is a statement sent in to Joshua's local local paper. I will read word for word now his own words. At the preemptory request of a large majority of the citizens of these United States, I, Joshua Norton, formerly of Algoa Bay, Cape of Good Hope, And now, for the last nine years and ten months past of San Francisco, California, declare and proclaim myself emperor of these United States. And Uh. in virtue of the authority thereby in me vested, do hereby order and direct the representatives of the different states of the Union to assemble in Musical Hall of this city on the first day of February next... Then and there, to make such alterations in the existing laws of the Union as may ameliorate the evils under which the country is laboring and thereby cause confidence to exist, both at home and abroad, in our stability and integrity. And the proclamation that he wrote in was signed Norton I, Emperor of the United States. Oh, what a hero. Okay, so... Without any ground to stand on, uh-huh. this dude just says, oh, I'm fucking emperor. Uh-huh. All hail. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. how emperor. Okay. That's how mm-hmm. emperorship works, Zach. All right, you're not elected emperor. You take you it. Look, it. I've never been an you emperor before, it. but I thought there would at least be some, you know, like, um, big war. Yeah, first. he's only been a god yeah, king. No. Zach has only ever been the god pharaoh. Which is bequeathed to me upon birth, so yeah, yeah, yeah. which not in cosmic which battle happened at the or like of cosmic time. announcement. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Uh, jo- Joshua, on the other hand, I was going to call him Justin because he reminds me of Justinian a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, he was like, you know what? I've seen the direction that the leadership in this country is going, and I've lost a lot of money, and I'm pretty bitter about it. Um, I own this bitch now. I will not be taking any questions at this Thank time. You, Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I also think that there's a little bit of cockiness that comes in saying, like, hey, uh, I'm just going to write this to my local paper. 
and um and declare it as I'm just going to say it and people will believe me. So when you legally change your name, you have to like write into your local newspaper yeah. um like hi my name is now X. Yeah. And I like how he's following um, the protocols set in place by the Social Security office about <laughs> changing your position and legal name. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for following the laws of your land. Yeah. Joshua. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's I think it's um I think it's absolutely hilarious. But to Zach's point, with the no ground to stand on many people uh, accused him of, uh, and the quote that I saw in my research said, man suffers financial calamity, proclaims him, uh, proclaims his own majesty. <laughs> I love that. A lot of people were Big questioning, dick energy. were questioning his sanity through, uh, through this whole thing. But like, why? That's exactly, that's exactly what big corporations literally do now. They're like, hey, we're bankrupt, but also mm, richest CEOs in the world. world Am I right, dog? The interesting thing about it, though, is that like, according to research, there were signs that he was just like this grandiose type person throughout his whole life. And that this was just like the natural progression of, so like people were saying he must be insane, but all of the evidence pointed to him just being, you know, a person of grandeur in general. Um, so obviously he went, he declares himself emperor, and his chosen method for bringing his proclamations to the public were regular postings in the newspaper. He's a man of the people. A little while after declaring himself emperor, he posts again to dissolve Congress, a declaration that was not uh, complied with, but I will again read directly from the proclamation that he sent into the paper. Uh, he says, It is represented to us that the universal suffrage, as now existing through the Union, is abused, that fraud and corruption prevent a fair and proper expression of the public voice, that open violation of the laws are constantly occurring, caused by mobs, parties, factions, and undue influence of political sects, that the citizen has not that protection of person and property which he is entitled to by paying his pro rata at the expense of the government. In consequence of which, we do hereby abolish Congress, and it is therefore abolished, and we order and desire the representatives of all parties interested to appear at the musical hall of this city on the 1st of February next, and then and there take the most effective steps to remedy the evil complained of. I absolutely love his dedication to having uh, having discourse at the musical hall on the yeah, first okay. the first of February next. But so hear me out. Yeah, this dude's making some good points. He is making amazing like, points. Like I also he is making some very banger points. Good banger points, but. This missive is extremely well written. I know. And no, no, like he spent a lot of, like he's not just doing this for fun. He literally like would go to the local library and spend a lot of time reading about like current state of affairs, things that, you know, had gone on. Damn dude. He had he was just so well read about a lot of things going on that a lot of his 
a lot of his policies that he was trying to implement were really ahead of their time. I even read an excerpt from another uh, posting of his where he said that black students should be allowed to go to school and get the same benefits as white students. He said the options are clear. Either you don't allow black students at schools and don't make them equal, or if you're willing to allow them at schools, you should be giving them the same benefits that white students get. Fuck yes. I'm so, for this emperor. Yeah. I know, dude. What a, what a god yeah, king. No. Hey. That's a step it. too far. I'm sorry. Listen, he's making good he points. Is he is making good no. points. And, like, not only on top of that, but with this congressional letter, it not only makes good points, but by saying, all right, show up here so we can rectify the situation is, look, we know there's a problem, but, like, let's sit down and talk about what the problem is and figure it out. It's not like, you're all fired and I'm in charge. It's, okay, we have a serious issue. Let's meet up and talk about it. But, again, so slavery is obviously big in this time. Emperor Norton, surprisingly progressive. And I have yet another proclamation that he wrote with regards to the governor of Virginia. Uh, The governor of Virginia during a period of time had um, hung a slave. Yikes. That uh, had tried to start an uprising. I believe the gentleman's name was John Brown, but I could be wrong. Uh, please don't quote me on that. He's referred to as General Brown um, <laughs> in this uh, proclamation. But it says, Disapproving of the act of Governor Wise of Virginia by hanging General Brown at Charlestown, Virginia, on the 2nd of December, and considering that the said Brown was insane, that he thought, uh, or that he ought to have been sent to the insane asylum for capturing the state of Virginia with 17 men, Now know all men that I do hereby discharge him, Henry A. Wise, from said office and appoint John C. Breckinridge of Kentucky to said office of governor of our province of Virginia. So he disagrees with the act of hanging this gentleman, this uh, person who tried to start an uprising. Emperor Norton believes that, you know, he should have been taken to an insane asylum, but Either way, he he tries to take steps to get this guy kicked out of office. Obviously, the steps aren't taken because, you know, he's just writing to his local paper. And so that's not really uh, being You can't dissolve Congress immediately. I just want to briefly talk about his other points, which are all mentioned in different proclamations. But uh, he's an adversary of corruption and fraud of all kinds. Both are... Um, political, corporate, and personal. Uh, he was persistent. He was a persistent boy, voice for the fair treatment of um, enhanced legal protections for immigrants, racial, and ethnic minorities. So he demanded that African Americans be allowed to uh, ride public streetcars and that they be admitted to public schools, as I mentioned. He commanded that the courts allow Chinese people to testify in court. Um, And he pronounced that the eyes of the emperor will be upon anyone who shall counsel any outrage or wrong on the Chinese. Uh, He proclaimed with respect to Native Americans that all, quote, Indian agents, unquote, and other parties connected with frauds against the, quote, Indian tribes, unquote, were to be publicly punished before 
as many Indian chiefs as could be assembled together. So essentially, he was like, hey, if you guys fuck with Native Americans, I'm going to get a council of Native American chiefs to watch you get your shit kicked. Love this. He was also a religious <laughs> humanist um, and pluralist who favored church-state separation and warned against the dangers of Puritanism and sectarianism, uh, refusing to give his give his favor, give his sway to any one church or synagogue, but he attended all of them. Um, and he prohibited the enforcement of state Sunday laws, which discriminated against Germans and Jews. Uh, he supported the women's right to vote. He was a defender of the people's right to fair taxes and basic services, including well-maintained streets, streetcars, ferries, and trains. And he was an exponent of technological innovations that enhanced public welfare. So, all in all, this dude fucking kicked ass as emperor. Seems pretty fucking legit. I know, man. But so, I'm, I'm assuming there's a downfall, and I'm, I'm waiting for that. I mean, realistically, yeah. the downfall is... There isn't a downfall. He, he's just looked at as this sad, you know... I guess not so the much sad, sad because self-proclaimed emperor. At one point, he does uh, he does get arrested. Um, I forgot to note exactly what he gets arrested for, but essentially, he does get arrested, and his community comes together to say, like, they've arrested this guy that we all really kind of have a fondness for. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get him out of prison. I love that he does like. He doesn't rise to prominence. He never fucking... He doesn't become, like, a local figure in politics. He obviously doesn't become the true emperor of the United States. But, like, he's he's given the best seats at theaters at opening nights. Like, he's supported by a local group of, I think, masons. So that he can stay living in an apartment where he lives. One time his, or like he wore his suit so often that it got tattered. And so um, the board of supervisors in the city government bought him a new suit. I love this. So it was like, I know, dude. It, they were supporting this guy who, you know, he's just, he becomes a local legend in some degree. And I am, I am looking up just to make sure that I'm right. Oh, he gets arrested for um, vagrancy. Oh. They essentially arrest him for being a homeless man. And they basically just say, like, this guy's a lunatic, we're going to throw him in prison. And the town kind of rallies around him and they get they get the charges thrown out. Um, I love that. So he, no, he doesn't, like, he, he doesn't obviously become emperor. He doesn't. He's not like this super prominent figure, but um, but in his town, in his local area of San Francisco, he becomes, you know, a local celebrity almost. He reigns as emperor for a good 20 years before he dies in 1880. So, damn. Yeah. Hey, y'all, remember when I said we could do better? We should be like this guy. This is what I'm fucking talking yeah, we about. We should honestly be like we him. Should. I think. I like how he became a local celebrity because people are just like, oh, that's just the local emperor. Yeah. She's yeah. the emperor of the United there States, everybody. I'm Yeah, that here he is. I'm pretty sure that they made a um statue to him as well. Oh. I'm I'm fairly certain that there's a statue. I I wanna make sure that I'm right before I just You know, 
I thought this was going to be a sad boy episode, mostly because you really hyped it up, Zach. I did. While your story was a sad boy story, um, I think we bookended it. We did. We We did did bookend it nicely. And I tried to end my story with a little bit of, like, glimmering hope. I said that that we were going to make it a sad boy sandwich. Keep that sad Oreo cream filling on the inside (laughs) where it can't hurt us. (laughs) Yeah, you seal that away. Ugh. Oh, no, there's a plaque. There's a plaque to him. Okay. It's not quite a statue, but oh. it's also not nothing. Two, uh, and fair. it says on the plaque, Pause, Traveler, and be grateful to Norton the First, Emperor of the United States, Protector of Mexico, uh, 1859 to 1880, whose prophetic wisdom conceived and decreed the bridging of San Francisco Bay. Nice. So, Oh, yeah, there was also a point in there where he declared himself... The protector of Mexico. Fuck yeah. Oh, that, uh, so inclusive, yeah. dude. He's like, I'm going to protect Mexico, yeah. too. Uh, they they seem, seem like they, they need, need it. It was, well, it was after, um, it. it was after uh, Napoleon Third had tried to diddle Mexico in some confounded mm, way mm. where he was just like, he was like, hey, hands off. Hey. So he declares he himself like, the protector not... of Mexico. <laughs> Not on Norton's time. Not on my watch. But anyways, yeah, that's Not my story about um Norton the First, Emperor of the United States of America. All hail Norton oh. the First. All hail. All hail. All right. Yeah. Is All there any hail. stuff that we need to talk about? Any stuff that we um, want to th- sweep up and clean up? I... Not... Oh, well, I think this is from a past episode, but today I was talking to one of my friends who does listen to um, the podcast, and she did have a question about one of the stories that we covered. Sure. It was about uh, Carl uh, Tanzler. Yeah. Do you remember? Yep. And she asked, uh, what about his wife? Like, what did his wife think about this man? when he brought home a corpse Um, in the dead of night. Yeah. And so you don't have to look up the answer because I couldn't remember if we had covered this in the story. And she said, the wife is mentioned, but never really mentioned again. And so I did a little bit of digging and he did have a wife and two daughters that he brought over from, from Europe um, and it looks like he leaves them yeah. in oh. the city in Florida that they immigrated to. And he goes off to another city where he eventually meets the woman he falls in love with. And eventually she dies and yeah. he takes her clothes. Unrequited love. Um, so it's unclear whether or not he divorced the first woman, but it is. it looks like he did just up and leave to go find another job in another city. And then later in his life, it looks like his wife did help him out a little bit financially, but Ugh. it is not clear what her emotions were towards his obvious necrophilia. I mean, I would imagine that he probably didn't bring it up. Yeah. Well, it was covered in the newspapers, it's not polite dinner conversation though. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm yeah. feeling like she probably didn't bring it up. Yeah. But I yeah, appreciate like, you doing you know the what? legwork on a story that I reported on. <laughs> well, I wanted to give her I wanted to give her an answer. Yeah. Um and it it was like it was a good question. We also have the and platform I did wanna... to do that. So 
Yeah, yeah, so I wanted to be like, hey, if if anyone has questions about, yeah, you if know, you guys want us to go back and give you little more tidbits of some stories that we've covered, feel free to let us know. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, tweet at us. Like, if you want clarification on something, send us a tweet so that way we can yeah, not we'll only do our best. we can, well we can we can answer you right on Twitter, but we can also kind of you know expound a little bit more in some of these episodes. Uh, and that way we can also give you a little bit of a shout out because we like shouting out our fun fans. Uh, and if you don't out. have it, yeah. <laughs> if you don't have it, our uh, Twitter is at triumvirate underscore pod. So yeah, if you want to give us a tweet and if there was something you want clarification on, if you want to give us a tweet just to say hi, uh, hello. Yeah, guys, talk <laughs> to us. Yeah. Talk, talk to, us. to us. But uh, if there's nothing else to be said then I have not but one thing to say to all of you. What the fuck, history? If you like what you hear from the Triumvirate Productions and What the Fuck History, we encourage you to tell a friend. We don't pay for any ads, so the best way to get us out there is to talk to other people about us. You can find us on Facebook at The Triumvirate Productions, on Twitter at triumvirate underscore pod, and on Instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.